So if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, I invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Those of you that have been with us, you know we've been journeying through Ephesians verse by verse, sometimes word by word. And we've been looking at this, and we've been looking at this issue lately, uh, this series called A Lost Connection. In other words, we've been looking at the things that will either improve, improve our relationships with one another, our God, or that will, will, will hurt our relationship with others, our God. And so that's been the portion of Scripture that we end. Uh, as we end this series on lost connection, the topic or the question uh, for you today is, what's your ringtone? Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I've learned real quickly about cell phones, and I've learned that there's some people's cell phones that their ringtone says, says a lot about their life, right? Uh, I mean, I mean, sometimes we've had, we've had phones go off, or maybe phones have gone off around you. And in fact, is my ringtone in my cell phone, I've had this phone for a little bit over a year, uh, it's still the default setting. Uh, it's still whatever ringtone they put on this at the factory, that's my ringtone, I'm good with it. So that says a lot about me, right? It says probably you're not very techie or you don't care. Uh, it just it doesn't matter to you, and it doesn't matter to me. Uh, we, we've had cell phones go off in the service, and, and I just got to tell you, uh, some were church appropriate and some weren't church appropriate, right? I mean, rap music in a church service, never appropriate. Uh, <laughs> one, time we had, one time we had a Tarzan yell go off in the service. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and, and so, you know what? And, and I think they were as embarrassed uh, as we were shocked. Uh, first off, I thought that was voices in my head, and I realized it wasn't voices in my head. It's actually coming from the congregation. And so they just they let him scream. I mean, because nobody was going to flinch. No, I, I thought, you know what? I'm just going to have to have heads bowed, eyes closed, so you can turn off your phone, and we can stop it, stop it now. And so I was on a plane one time, and there was a guy across the aisle from me, and his ringtone was uh, the uh, Old Spice commercial, you know, the whistle. Yeah, so it's either like, wow, I'm glad I'm not sitting back next to you. Either you like Old Spice or you just like the whistle. And so there's something about a ringtone that, that can say something about your life, whether it's a movie that you like, whether it's a song that you like, uh, whether it's a quote that you like. Uh, I was with, one, with someone one time, and there's a duck quacking. So either a duck hunter or they like Duck Dynasty. I don't know which, but that's what it communicated to me. And so, so with these ringtones, it says something about your life. My question for you this morning is not so much what's the ringtone on your phone, but spiritually, what's the worship ringtone over your life? Because we know this, and we've been, we know this from studies, we know this from Scripture, we're all going to worship something. And we're all going to naturally worship something. And so the question for me and the question for you this morning is, what's the ringtone over your life, and what does that ringtone say about you and say about your life? Now listen, in my communication style, I'm pretty much a bottom line person. I'm pretty much a bottom line person. I always, when I look at scripture, I always look for the bottom line. What's the bottom line? And I really believe there's two types of people in the world. There's bottom line people and there's beat around the bush people, right? And unfortunately, a lot of times, bottom line people are married to beat around the bush people. And so that can cause con uh, con conflict and conversation. And so there's a lot of times when I'm in communication with someone and I'm in a conversation with someone and I'm like, what's the point? I mean, what's the point? What's the subject? Get, get to the point. Just get, get to the point quickly. Get, get to the point. Get to the point now. 
And so I tend to get frustrated. Well, when I look at Scripture, I begin looking at Scripture for the, for the bottom line and what's the bottom line. And, and I came to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, which we'll read in a, in a few minutes. And we're also going to look at John chapter 4. And all of a sudden, I discovered some things just real quickly into what's God's bottom line. And the Scripture says in John, Jesus made a statement like this, that it's my desire that you would worship me in spirit and in truth. And then it says that, guess what? That's the kind of worshipers that I seek. And so if that's something that he values, then that's something that I value. In other words, I want my life to be a Christ-centered life. I don't know about you, but I want the ringtone over my life. I want the worship over my life. I want it to be a Christ-centered life. I mean, I want to know him deeper. I want to keep taking that next step. I want to keep leaning into him. I want to keep learning more about him. And I want to make him known in my life. I'm telling you, I want to be an extravagant worshiper in my life. Not just here on the weekends. But outside of here, in everyday life, and we have this gift here at Fellowship of the Rockies where we're able to come into his presence corporately. But we don't just come into his presence corporately. It's not just for the weekends that we can come into his presence privately in private worship. And so we can come into God's presence every day. Because I'm telling you, the reason you need to come into God's presence every day, because I don't know if you know this, but it is a war zone out there. I mean, you go through the Old Testament and you realize, before, listen, before they went to war, they worshipped. There were even periods of a war that they would just, they would cease fighting. And they would come into his presence. And so you need to understand the power of God, the power of corporately worshipping him. It's not just singing songs, and it's not just going through the motion. But it's coming into his presence and meditating on his word and worshiping him, understanding that we are meeting with God, and God is here. And Listen, to come into his presence and to leave does not mean that we leave him here. Man, if your theology is that we come into his presence here and we leave him here, then the worship ringtone over your life will never ring that you're an extravagant worshiper. Yes, we come into his presence corporately, and we enter into his presence corporately, but we don't leave him here. We go, we go with him. The best way I can explain this is a, is a, few, a few months back, I, I met a family that were new to our church, and I, I was out, out in the community, and they, they walked up to me, and they had a young family, and, and so they're talking to me, and they had a son, and the son was like five years old, and his eyes, he's looking at me, and his eyes are getting larger and larger and larger, and he's kind of in shock, and, and he kept backing up behind his mom, and so his mom bends down, has a conversation with him, and she starts laughing, and she stands up, and she says, oh, Charlie, you don't understand, uh, he thought you lived in the church. He's like shocked to see you outside because every time we come to church, you're there greeting. And every time we leave, you're there waving goodbye. And so my son is like totally shocked that like you leave the church and you leave this place. Well, listen, there's some people that have that theology of God. And if that's your theology, that you come to church, you come here to meet God and you leave him here, then you'll live life however you want. Monday through Saturday. And so this morning, I want us to understand worship, and I want us to understand it in a deep way, because it, 
It is a lifelong journey of mine, and I hope it's a lifelong journey of yours. Here's what Paul says about corporate worship, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. He says, he says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But, contrast, be filled with the Holy Spirit, or be filled with the Spirit. And then verses 19 and following, all of a sudden he begins fleshing that out. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody. So stop right there, because at its center, worship is God-centered. It is not human-centered. It is not about my needs. It is not about my, my likes, my desire, my preferences. At its core, at its center, worship is God-centered, not human-centered. And so all of a sudden you'll grab this when you look at this. And so he says, making melody to the Lord, to the Lord, with your heart. And I am so thankful for that because I am challenged. I, I have beat deafness. Uh, I, I cannot hear the beat. I cannot clap to the beat of the music. And so I am so thankful. Guess what? We make a melody to the Lord. We sing. We, vo we vocalize. But we make a melody to the Lord with our heart, giving thanks always for everything to who? To God. Worship God-centered to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sub give, I'm sorry, back up verse 20. Giving thanks also always for everything to God, the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then submitting to one another out of reverence of Christ. That's in the context of worship. That is so important. And so this morning, I want to look at four ways. I want to look at four ways that, that worship can get off track in a church. And I want us to make a commitment, never, never, never in this church, that we'll never let our worship end up in the ditches. We'll never let our worship get out of bounds. We'll never let our worship get off track. And so we'll always have our worship that is not man-centered, but is God-centered. Jesus is having a conversation with a woman in John chapter 4. And this woman had a, had a, had a dark past. She had a difficult past. And she has this encounter with, and she comes into the presence of a living God, Jesus Christ. And they have this conversation. We pick up the story in verse 19. And so the woman, verse 19, the woman said to her, said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. Stop right there. It is possible for you to come into this place, sing some songs, and never enter the presence of God and just go through the motions. It is possible for you to come into the place and worship something that you don't know because you don't have a relationship with him. And so he says, you worship what you do not know, but we worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and now is here when the true worships, worshipers will worship the, the Father. Here we go, in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I'll give you four things just real quickly this morning about, about worship, about when worship gets off track. The first thing is this. Casual worship is always off track. Casual worship is always off track. Now listen, I'm not talking about the way that we dress. 
Uh, we'll, never, we'll never dress in suits and ties. We'll never be high church. So I'm not, I'm not talking about in the way in which we dress. I'm, I'm talking about an attitude of worship. I'm talking about a heart of worship. I'm talking about a focus of worship. And the scripture would say this, casual worship is always off track. Jesus said in verse 22, Jesus said this, you worship what you do not know, but we we worship the one that we do know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. And so when we come into this place, I just want you to realize this. When we come into this place, we steward the presence of God. We come into the presence of God. But I think so many times it's difficult for some people because we're so used to going to different rooms and we're, we're used to sitting through an event. We're used to sitting through a play or we're used to sitting through a movie or we're used to sitting through a concert or we're used to sitting through a, through a gathering or a game. And, and, then, and, then, and then if we're not careful, we'll think this is just one more event to attend. This is just one more thing to attend. But see, it's different here. When we come into this place, we come into the presence of God. In other words, some of the words that Jesus used, this is our mountain, folks. This is our mountain where we steward the presence of God and we come into the presence of God corporately where we're open to his presence, where, 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 when we come in here and, we're open, and we open our hearts and we open ourselves to him. The God that made the heavens and the earth the God that shook the mountains and roared like thunder, the God who holds, and the God who holds your life and my life in his hands, the God who, who sent his son to, to die for us, the God of the, God of the mountain, the, the God of the cross, and he is here right now with us in all of his mystery, in all of his bigness, in all of his awesomeness, in all of his righteousness. So when we come into this place, there is no casual worship. This is not just another event to attend. This is not just another thing on our to-do list to check off. I mean, there's, we, we prepare our body, right? Hopefully you did before you came here. To where, to where you take a shower, you put on some makeup, you, you, you dress, and, and you prepare the body. See, I'm not talking so much as preparing the body as much as I am preparing your heart for worship. There's a, there, there's a principle in life that what we value, we prepare for. Whatever you value, you prepare for. I mean, the Thunderwolves prepared for a week to win the game last night. They're preparing right now for a national championship and all the stuff that comes with it. They're not going to wait till game day. They're not going to wait till kickoff and say, hey, we're here, might as well figure it out. The salespeople, before salespeople make a big pitch, make a big sales presentation, Sometimes they're working for hours. Sometimes they're working for days. Sometimes they're dedicating their whole life because they know that one sales pitch could like mean everything to them. School teachers, before a school teacher goes to class, before a student goes to class, guess what? You're preparing for class, whether it's doing homework, whether it's preparing a lesson or anything like that. And people who go out on dates, right? They prepare for a date. Listen, I raised two girls, and I learned, a, I learned an important principle of life in the teen years of my daughters, that there are a lot of girls that prepare longer for a date than the actual date takes. <laughs> I mean, that's true, right? I mean, what you value, what you value, you prepare for. And I'm asking you, there would never be casual worship in this place. I'm asking you to come prepared for worship. I'm not talking physically. 
I'm talking spiritually. Where you spend some time daily throughout the week, life journaling in Scripture. Worshiping, whether, whether, you, whether you stream Pandora or Spotify or get some worship CDs or anything like that. Or you're coming into his presence. Where before you enter this place, I mean, when you, when, when we've been life journaling through Hebrews 9 through 11, you realize, guess what? They, they prepared. They prepared. Where before you enter this place, that you reflect on what Paul was talking about, what you should give thanks for, what he's done in your life and where you open your heart full to him and when you come to worship when you're here I'm not asking you to wait for something to grab you on this platform I'm not asking you to wait don't drift I'm asking you to come into this place Say, I'm giving my full attention to him because worship is like God-centered. And I'm listening and I'm praising and I'm confessing and I'm responding. And every moment of worship, I'm, I'm offering myself to you. Come prepared to meet with him because God is an awesome God. And God has given everything for us. And the Israelites, there's a time in Israelites' history when they, where they went to the mountain and they worshipped and there was smoke and there was thunder and there's all this stuff. And God was asking them to do some things. And when they left the mountain, they, they had this conversation in the Exodus story and they had this conversation with Moses. And they're like, you know what? We're not so sure God's a safe God. So here's the deal, Moses, why don't, why don't you go to the mountain on our behalf and why don't you come back and why don't you kind of contextualize it for us and why don't you tell us what he had to say? And Moses is like, oh no, oh no. And where did you ever get the, the thought, where did you ever get the picture that he is a safe God? And God is going to ask you to take a next step. God is going to ask you to move to a Christ-centered life. And God is going to ask you to do some things that may be hard for you or may be uncomfortable for you, whether it's forgiving someone, whether it's loving someone, whether it's accepting someone. This is, this is what happened to the, the woman of the story that I read in John chapter 4. When Jesus got close to her past, she pushed away. I want to talk about worship wars and all that other stuff. Second thing about worship that we need to understand here, another type of worship that gets all, off track is this, is consumer-oriented worship is always off track. You see, the lady's focus was, was the place. In John chapter 4, verse 20, our fathers, okay, so our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where, where people ought to worship. Man, if this ever happens in our life, then our focus becomes the experience, our focus becomes the place. And, and I, I approach worship as a, as a consumer rather than a worshiper. And so if you're not careful, if, if you end up in this area, if you end up off the tracks in this area, then, then you can come into a worship service with your arms folded to those who are leading you saying, you know, woe me. I mean, do something to grab me. Do something to grab my attention. Do something to grab my interest. And 
And in other words, you begin to think about worship the same way that you would a movie or a play to where once you go to see the movie or once you go see the play, then you think it's your job to critique that. And listen, I'm telling you, whenever you move into that area, whenever you move into consumer-oriented worship and you believe it's your job to critique the worship, then you are withholding your heart from him. And you're withholding your heart in worship. Listen, it's not primarily... Worship is not primarily what I get out of it. Yes, we get some things out of it. And yes, there's some byproducts of that. But it's not what worship is about. Worship is about what we give to God. Worship is about God-centered. Worship is about coming to Him and understanding who He is and opening our hearts and opening our lives wide to Him as we enter into worship. I mean, several, I mean this has been a problem in church history. In, in the book of, of, of Corinthians, Paul is writing to the church there in Corinth, and he says, I hear there's some special interest groups, and I hear they're dividing the church. See, that's why Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5 that even in worship, we're submitting ourselves one to another in reverence to Christ. And so what Paul begins to say in, in Corinthians is this, is that there's some of you that say, I follow Apollos, and some of you say, I follow Cephas. In other words, what's happening is, is it's like this consumer-oriented worship, and it's like, I like the way he preaches better than, than the other guy, or I like the way he leads worship than the other guy. And all of a sudden, that begins to come into consumer-oriented worship. And Paul says, listen, the focus is worshiping God. The focus is not man-centered. The focus is not human-centered. 1 Corinthians 14, worship was like off the rails in this church, and it was chaotic, and there were people drawing attention to themselves. And Paul again spoke into that and said that, that's divisive because worship is not man-centered. And let me ask you, is there any kind of consumer-oriented worship going on in your heart? Because I'm going to tell you here at Fellowship the Rockies, We're going we're gonna to respond to God in the fullness of God's being, to his holiness and his righteousness and his passion and his justice and, and his honor and his goodness and his compassion and his tenderness and his love and his joy. Man, we're going to respond to the fullness of God's being in every facet of him with every resource we have at our disposal, our mind and our hearts and our soul and our voices, and the word, and the prayer, and response. And sometimes we're going to come into this place. And we're going to just be overwhelmed by the holiness of God. Like Isaiah 6. We're like there's just stillness, and you just know he's just settled here. And we just say, woe is me. And there's other times we're going to be just overwhelmed, like Luke chapter 7. You know, we're just going to be overwhelmed and come undone by his compassion of God, like with the sinful woman in Luke chapter 7, where she just throws her feet at Jesus and she pours out everything on him in worship. And sometimes we're going to be seized by the, just the joy of the Lord, like David, and it's just celebration. But there's one thing that we'll never do here. And we'll never be consumers of a worship service. We'll always be worshipers because this is not a play and it's not a game and it's not a show and it's not just another event to attend. No consumer worship here because he deserves better. Third thing, when worship gets off track and off the rails is this, an unbalanced approach to worship is always off track. 
I mean, she makes a statement. She says, our fathers. In other words, she was hung up in tradition. Maybe the tradition that she was raised, maybe a tradition that, that, that she came into the church with. And so she says, well, you know, our fathers. Now, Colossians 2.8, I'm not going to read the whole verse, but Colossians 2.8 talks about the danger of tradition and says, verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy, empty deceit, according, according to what? According to human tradition. And so Jesus begins to explain, guess what? This worship is not about geography. God is much bigger than that. I mean, I mean there's going to come a time when, when people realize that it's not about this mountain or that mountain. It's bigger than that, that God is looking, Jesus is looking, and Jesus says, the people that I seek are those that worship me in spirit and in truth. This woman made a mistake that she thought her tiny little group, her tiny little view was the only style. And we've decided here a long time ago about worship at Fellowship of the Rockies, and we're going to worship whatever brings honor and glory to God and make it accessible for the maximum number of people that relates with our culture that we want to bring into worshiping him, Christ-following community. A lot of churches, and maybe you've heard of this, uh, they have worship wars. They have worship wars over, over music. And really and truly, it's not really worship wars. You, you know what it really is? It's really generational warfare. It's really what it is. It's the older group that says, we pay the tithe, we, we pay all the bills, so we get to choose the music against a younger group. We live in a world that naturally segregates out people by generation, right? I mean, whether it's music, whether it's events, whether it's games, whether it's concerts, whether it's shows, whatever, we, we have a society that naturally segregates out people based upon generations. But Paul says, not in the church. We submit one to another in reverence to Christ. And Paul would say there should never be any generational power struggles in the local church. And I pray we always do and will always worship in a way that brings honor and glory to him and makes worship accessible to everybody and that we keep singing a new song and a new song and a new song. I mean, that's one of the powers of Fellowship of the Rockies is the multiple generations that we have in this place that sit, stand, sit side by side, that stand side by side, submitting one to another in reverence for Christ, worshiping him, together bringing honor and glory to him. The fourth and the last thing that when worship gets off track is this. Worship that's disconnected from spirit and truth always gets off track. And Jesus makes a classical statement when he begins talking about this issue of, of, of worship and, and responding to this woman. And he says that the Father is looking for people that seek him. The Father is, seeks people that are worshiping him. And in verse 23, he tells her again, But the hour is coming and is now here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship. So this is important to him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must... I mean, that's an imperative, like must, must worship him in spirit and truth. Now, listen, there's two adjectives there. There's in spirit and there's in truth. And so in spirit is not just an outward conformity and the right mountain and so on, but it's, it's with the spirit, heart, passion, soul. And then he says in truth. 
doctrinally correct. See, the Samaritans who he was talking to, the Samaritans only believed in the Pentateuch. They only believed in the first five books of the Bible. See, they didn't know the God of the Psalms. They didn't know the God of the prophets. And so what, 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 what Jesus was saying is, you're going to worship me, and you're going to worship him in the whole counsel of his word. You're going to worship him in spirit and in truth. Now listen, let's just talk about that just real quickly. There are some individuals and actually some churches that pride themselves in having a lot of, a lot of spirit and a lot of, lot of emotion and a lot of passion. But there's little, there's little concern for the mind. There's little concern for biblical truth. It's just all emotion. It's just all spirit. And then there's some people that are on the total other extreme of that, and it's just about all truth. I mean, in other words, worship is just kind of the warm-up act. You just kind of get through that, and it's all about the Word. It's just a, it's the Word. It's about the Word. That's all it's about. And, I, and so when I met Christ, I came into a church that was, was, was farther on the truth side. And they didn't value worship like they did the Word, and they didn't value worship like... like, like uh, uh, like they did the word and I still remember it's kind of weird to me But I still remember even in my early days of being a believer we would sing a hymn and hopefully I get the words, right? Uh, you get some of you may remember stand up remember the hymn stand up stand up for Jesus you soldiers of the cross We always sang that song sitting down I never, <laughs> I, never I never understood that I'm like, you know what if we really believe we should stand up for Jesus shouldn't we do it in church? I mean, if we really, if, if worship, if that is the ringtone over our life, listen, body language is important, right? Uh, you'll, hear, you'll hear great coaches talk about body language. We kept our body language. We kept our composure. We looked like winners. We didn't, we didn't shrink back. When we, when we went into the end zone, we looked like we'd been there before. All those other things. We've heard that stuff. Listen, I'm telling you, body language is important in communication, right? Body language is important in communicating with a spouse. And guess what? Body language is important in communicating with God and worshiping Him. It's critical. And so I, I would have those thoughts growing up, in, not growing up, I didn't grow up in church, but I had those thoughts that if we're going to sing stand up, stand up for Jesus, guess what? We should stand up. You know what? When we sing about clapping our hands in this church, we should clap our hands. When we talk about we lift our hands, we should lift our hands. I mean, body language is important in worship. I will never forget, and this will tell you about how long it was, years back, someone wrote me a letter. Now, Young people, we used to have a thing called a letter here. <laughs> and you'd actually take out a piece of paper, and you'd get something called a pen that when you marked on paper, it, it, it marked it, and you wrote out a note, you folded it in threes, you put it in an envelope, you addressed it, and, and, and had the return address, you licked a stamp that tasted horrible, you stuck a stamp on it, you mailed it, and hopefully four days later, it got to the sender. That's a letter. I know. It was bad, but that's, that's the only way we had to communicate. So I get a letter from an individual that sends me a letter and says, Hey, I, I, I got an idea how I could make your worship, ser your, worship ser your worship services better. Why don't you reduce... Yeah, that's all. And so why don't you reduce the number of songs, and why don't you only do one song? That would give us enough time to know the service started. That would give us enough time to come in, get our seats, read our bulletin, drink our coffee, do all that stuff. And then, and then the main event is the word, and then you can just give us the main event, and we'll cut out the preliminaries of the service. And let me tell you something here at Fellowship of the Rockies. Worship is the main event. Declaring the glories of God. 
experience His presence. In the Word, whether it's read, whether it's interpreted, whether it's sung, as we pray, as we respond, what is more important than that? Than understanding. Worship is the main event. Worship is the main event of our life. And the worship ringtone that is over my life and your life is the main event. And the focus is not style. The focus is God. And it changes us. That's why it can sometimes be uncomfortable. It changed this lady in John chapter 4. She meets Christ. Verse 39. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. It changed her. She didn't go out from the presence of God. She went out with the presence of God. And he told me all that I'd ever done. In other words, I had a dark past and he loved me and accepted me anyway. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him. So she brings, you know what she did? She went into a worship service. She left that worship service and she grabbed as many Be My Guest cards as she could find. And she brought her friends back to a Christmas Eve service. And she brought her friends back to a service. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, watch this, It is no longer because of what you said we, that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. She brings them into his presence. She brings them into a worship service. And we know that it is indeed the Savior, Savior of the world. Let me ask you, what is the ringtone over your life? I already decided what my ringtone of my life is. And I want it to be a Christ-centered life. What is yours? Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, let me just ask you a, a quick question. Do you worship what you do not know? It is possible that you can come into this place, you can go through the motions, may even sing a few songs, but you really don't know Him. You really and truly don't have a relationship with Him. You're really and truly not living a life yielded to him. And this would be the day like the woman in John chapter 4 had an encounter to where she, she knew him. And she went from worshiping what she does not know to worshiping what she knows. And maybe you just need to accept him and ask him to come into your life and forgive you of your sins, give you the gift of eternal life. Maybe you know him. Maybe you're a believer here this morning. Let me ask you, when you come into this place, is there casual worship going on? Are you just going through the motions? Listen, you can come. I'm telling you. You can come into this place. You can sing some songs. You can hear a sermon. You can read some verses. And never really enter the presence of God. Do you need to take a step closer to Him? Do you need to press into Him and say, I'm going to learn to be a worshiper in spirit and in truth and what it means to enter into his presence. Maybe you're here this morning and say, you know what, I, I, got, a, I got a burden. I just have a need and I, I just need someone to pray for me. We want to pray for you. That's an act of worship all in itself and we respond to him. And we want to lift that burden. 
And we want to pray for you. And we want to add our faith to your faith. So if you're carrying a burden in any area of your life, whether it's, whether it's a loss, a loss of a relationship, a loss of a person, a loss of a job, whether it's a financial issue, whether it's a medical issue, whether it's a decision you're trying to make, whether you have a burden for someone that you want to bring to a service, we want to pray for you. So if you're carrying a burden, we want to lift that burden. We want to pray for you. So in just a few minutes, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to tell you after I pray, we're going to stand. When we stand up, if you need prayer in any area, don't wait. As we stand up, would you step out, begin making your way down? we got prayer partners that will be down here. They'll greet you, and they'd love to pray for you. So if you need prayer, you come. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your greatness. Father, we thank you that you allow us to come into your presence. And you forgive us, and you give grace, and you, and you pour grace out on us. And we thank you for that. And Father, we just ask that if anyone's carrying a burden here this morning, that we lift that burden through prayers. We minister one to another. We look forward to see what you're going to do, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.